And you may be seated, and that was awesome. Thank you uh, back there. Uh, we came in this morning at 7-whatever to get things rolling, and nothing worked. And so we had to figure that one out. And Dan and Nathan are both away with all of our teenagers. And so uh, those are our two tech nerds. And they were gone. And so we were trying to figure that out. And then we got it to work at about 8.15. Service was at 8.30. And then we got in here this morning at 10.30. And apparently it didn't want to work for you all. So uh, we figured it out. But uh, do continue uh, to pray. Our students are on their way home. Uh, about I guess there's about 50, 50 of them that are not here at this point. And so between students and leaders and uh, so they will be back in just a, a little bit, I guess around the time we're ending, uh, they will be arriving, and so uh, they're going to block you in, the big bus is going to keep you here forever, um, but no. Uh, we started a series last week, or really I guess a theme as much as anything, the title of that is Build, looking at building one another, building people, uh, really looking at the aspect of not so much uh, building a church, if you will, and I know some people think of that when you hear that word build at church, you're like, oh, we're going into to a campaign. We're not. I just want to, we're going to spend some time this year really with the focus on building people, building people's lives. And really what that looks like for the church is uh, God's word says what? To go ye therefore and make disciples, to, to teach, uh, to baptize. And, and so we're, we're looking at that this morning. And we have a statement that we've used around here for many years leading others to be passionate followers of Christ. And uh, we've recently added this, impacting the family one heart at a time. At Oasis, our purpose is to lead others to be passionate followers of Christ. That word, uh, those words, passionate followers, are really, uh, I guess we've just, instead of saying leading others to be disciples, we use passionate follower. And so our heartbeat, our purpose, our focus is that we would uh, lead people to walk with Jesus that would then impact others with the gospel, that people would know the Lord, that they would walk like him, they would share him, they would be united, that we would uh, strive to walk with God, that our families would be stronger, that we would have an impact into our community and then around the world. This morning, uh, we're going to take the next couple weeks and we're going to look at our core values. And we do this pretty regularly, uh, about once a year or so, we kind of look at our core values. But this morning, we're going to look at that, uh, the core value of knowing Him. If we are to be one who walks with Jesus and impacts others with the gospel, we must know Him. And that starts first and foremost in that we would know Him in salvation, and so the, the statement or the thought or the question that you would be asking yourself is, do I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? Do I have Him as, a, as my Savior? Am I in a personal relationship with Jesus? And this morning, I'm going to take the first few minutes of the introduction, and I'm going to kind of look at that thought. And if you know Christ as your Savior, we praise God, and uh, I pray that... Uh, if you're a part of our church, you're going to hear the gospel over and over and over and over again. And if nothing else, use this as a time to uh, put it in your, in your mind, uh, reminders. Maybe it's a, a way that you can memorize this. So when you talk to somebody down, wherever it is that you have that in your mind, a, a way that you can share the gospel with others. So many times people say, I don't know what to say. Just listen for the next few minutes and make it your own. Are we good? And then when I do it next week, listen for a few minutes and make it your own. And when I do it the week after, kind of the same thing. Do we follow? So anyway, 
so as we look at this, it starts with this, God's plan and then our understanding of sin. <coughs> as it pertains to God's plan, God's plan was that of perfection. God created Adam and Eve to walk in the garden that they would be in perfect harmony and communion with him. God created you to be in perfect relationship with him. That's awesome. He created you to be in relationship with him. Adam and Eve were placed into the garden and they chose to disobey. They deliberately chose disobedience. Genesis chapter 2, 15 and 17 says this, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 says this, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. See, God created mankind in His image to walk in perfect harmony, but man decided to do what man wants to do. Man chose sin. God cannot be in the presence of sin. And I'm asking you this morning, do you recognize your sin? Do you recognize that you have missed the mark? That you are not perfect? This isn't like one of those like self-degrading things, but we've done wrong. There's not anybody in this room that hasn't told a lie, or maybe you'd say, well, I'm, I'm pretty good. I, you've told a white lie then. You've, you've, done, you've, you, you've stretched the truth a little bit. If you've ever been in church and then you've left the church and you heard the pastor say, well, there was 250 people here today and you went and told somebody there was 250 people here, you stretched the truth because every pastor stretches the truth when it comes to attendance. <laughs> no, but we've all done those things. We've, we've, we've done wrong. We have sinned. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But it says in Romans 6.23, it says the wages of sin is death if we go back to genesis it says if you do those things that you would surely die sin is missing the mark and we must recognize our sin the thing that is is at times it's hard to recognize is that sin would cause death yes it is literal in the sense that uh, when they ate that they physically would die at some point but it's also that of the brokenness of our lives and the world is sin. See, sin is what causes the bad that we see. Sin is what causes death. Sin is what causes uh, hurricanes. And sin is what causes all of the things that we experience in our world. As we recognize that sin came and caused a division, we would then begin to recognize that what we strive to do is fix that sin. We fix the brokenness. Sin breaks and we try to fix it. In our own lives, we've tried to fix it. How many of you like to be hurting? Nobody loves to be hurting. Nobody loves to be broken. See, that's why we have addiction to alcohol and drugs, and that's why the, the addictions of pornography and the addictions of sex and the addictions of all of the different things, that's why oftentimes you look at TV and if you watch TV and you listen to all of the, the, uh, the great wealthy and famous and how amazing that their lives are yet often they 
are regularly committing suicide and taking their lives, and they're regularly telling you how horrible that their lives are. Why? Because it's not the things of the world, though we've added the things of the world to fix our brokenness. Those are things that, try, that we do to try to fix the broken things of our lives. The problem is, is that we cannot fix it, so God made a way by sending His Son to live a perfect and sinless life on this earth to then shed His blood and die because and for my sin. 1 Corinthians 15 says it this way, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, I'm just take, I'm telling you this. I will say it over and over again because if Paul said it over and over again to all of the people, hey, remember what I've told you about the gospel. Remember what I've told you about the gospel. I will continue to do so because if he did it, I can do it, right? Not funny, I guess. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which... Uh, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart the man, or with the heart the man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation." As we recognize our sinful actions and we begin to then confess it and believe is where salvation comes in. With the heart we believe, with the mouth we confess. Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I say to you this morning, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have done that, you have asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, you have placed Him as the Lord of your life, and you have confessed that sin, and you've said, God, I need you in salvation, then you've done the first piece of knowing Him. The part that we're looking at today is that we would not just know Him in salvation there, but the awesome part about salvation is it didn't stop at that. Salvation doesn't stop that, hey, I, I know Jesus as Savior. I've joked about this many times. Jesus didn't save you, and then he's like, all of a sudden he disappears, and you'll find him again the day that you die when you meet him in glory. The amazing part of that is he saves me. He now gives me what the Bible says. He gives me the Holy Spirit to live inside of me, and he walks with me every step of the way until the time that I pass. And God's word says that he desires that you would have an abundant life. He desires that you would have joy in your life, that you would be happy. He doesn't promise that it'll be perfect. He doesn't promise that you'll have lots of money. Anybody that tells you that is a liar and run as fast as you can from that church or that person. He doesn't tell you those things, but he offers you hope and peace and joy and he does that with you. He walks along with you. His desires that you would have that life. His desires that he would care for you in every need that you have. And this morning as we get into the, the knowing Him. This, the sermon title is Power of Knowing God. I want to look at some of those things. See, the, the Bible, when we look at discipling and we look at that word discipleship and we look at what that looks like, Galatians 5 and 22 says it this way, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. 
if we know God, there's some actions and there's some things that should be visibly noticeable in our lives. This week in my study, I just kind of began to, to do some searching and uh, I asked the question to, uh, online to Google because that's where we all go when we need questions answered. And I, hey, what are, what are character traits? What are, what, are, what are things that people say are a character trait or a quality of somebody that is a disciple of Jesus? And I just began to write them down. I had kind of wrote my own thing down, but I just kind of love to hear what other people say. And one of, this one says, the, the passionate follower, a disciple, would know and understand their need of a Savior. They would know and understand the God of the Bible. They would know and understand that we are made in His image and that we are image bearers of God. That we serve Him out of love. That we share our story. That we worship Him always. That we are together in community. That would be church and, and all the things that we are gathering together. That we would love God and love others. That we would be selfless and sacrificial. That we would live humble that we would be obedient, that we would live according to the word, that we would love Jesus. John Wesley says this, a missional disciple is one whose heart has been filled with the love of Christ by the power of the Spirit. And he gives a few things that, that describe that, that somebody would be full of joy, they would be thankful, they would be prayerful, they would be loving and humble, they would seek God's will, they would be obedient, they would glorify God, they would not be worldly, and they would care for the poor. One of the things that I, I kind of wrote down as I started to do some of this myself was to know Him is personal. To know Him is intentional. To know Him takes time. To know Him is serious. It is to be like Him. It is to walk with Him. And it is to naturally, the outpour of that would be to impact others. <coughs> See, the reality is, as I know Him in salvation, maybe today you don't know Him as, as your Savior. Maybe, maybe it would be that God would tug upon your heart that you would give your life to Jesus in salvation today. From that point on, the Bible calls it sanctification, but that point on, that's God working in us. God is moving in us. God is, as we read the Bible, we begin to understand, as we come to church, we begin to understand, we, we have fellowship with others, we begin to understand, we take these things in, God's working in us. I, I, I say it this way, initially things begin to, to leak out of us. But at some point, as I fall in love with Jesus, it's no longer just kind of trickling out of me. It is pouring out of me. The love of Jesus begins to pour out of me. There's something different about somebody that truly knows and loves Jesus. It's a visible thing. It's an audible thing. The way that they talk, the way that they interact with one another, the love that they have for Jesus impacts the way that they speak to others. Because while you love God, you love others. As I know Him, it begins to pour out of me in so many other ways. It's why the person, the coworker that you've worked with for so many years will come to you after years of time and say, you know what, there's something different about you. And... Uh, I'm, getting, I'm in the middle of a divorce. Can you pray for me? Hey, my, uh, my grandmother just passed away, and I don't really know who else to go to, or I don't really know what to say, but I know that you, are, uh, uh, you go to church. Would you pray for me? 
See, that happens as we know Him, it begins to come out of us, and people around us begin to notice. So this morning, we look at the power of knowing God. And what we're going to do this morning, and I encourage you throughout this week, is that we would look at it not just the power of knowing God, but the power of the tool that He's given us to know Him in the Word of God. So you can read this book as an educational tool. There's a lot of people that sit in studies and sit in colleges to have the educational mind of God. When we seek Him to know Him, we will find Him. And if you seek Him to know Him, you will experience the power of knowing God in your life. And so this morning we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to look at verses number 11 through 13. And then we'll pull out a couple points. And I pray that it's a challenge and it's encouragement to you this morning. It says this in verse number 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Father, we come to you today. And Lord, as we look at this passage of Scripture, Lord, in, in many ways, this is a, one of the most familiar passages of Scripture. Many would know this verse. But God, I pray that we would look at it with an intention to, to know you. That we would look at it not the same of just being able to pound on a pulpit, if you will, as a teacher or a preacher to, oh, just know God, He's alive, but to, to truly dive in and to get to know you. I pray that we would take serious our walk with you. And God, that you would pour out of us. Father, if there is one that doesn't know you as Savior this morning, God, would you pull them? Would you draw them to yourself? Would your word tug upon their heart that they would say yes to you? Lord, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thought is just simply this. There is power in the word there is power in the word the power of knowing god comes from being in the word of god in the weeks to come uh in just a few weeks we're going to start going through the doctrinal statements of oasis baptist church i said it last week we are striving to to build people to build and to to look at all of those kinds of things and if we're looking at that then we need to start first with any building you start with the foundation and so in just a couple weeks we're going to look at all of those doctrinal statements what do we believe about God what do we believe about the Holy Spirit what do we believe about uh, God the the Son and what do we believe about what's the doctrinal belief of the Word of God and so on and so forth we're going to go through that so in a few weeks we're going to look at the doctrinal uh, the doctrine of the Bible 
So this morning, I'm not going to dive into that piece of it as far as that goes, as to uh, how it came to be, why it is holy and inspired, and so on and so forth, and, and who are the authors, and all of those things. We're not going to look at that this morning, but we're going to look at it from this perspective. The source of power is in that the Holy Spirit dwells in us, and as we open up God's Word and we seek to know God, as we open His Word, that the Spirit living in us, His Word then becomes alive to us. How many of you, I have no doubt in my mind that, there's ever, that many in this room have been reading a passage of Scripture that you have read countless times, and as you read the passage of Scripture, you have even said the statement, I don't know that I've ever caught that before. Anybody? There's been so many times I'm reading Scripture, and I'm like, how did I miss that? You know that you didn't necessarily miss it, but that the Spirit drew it out of that verse for whatever reason that you were in the midst of whatever going on that particular moment and you needed it. Just last week or the week before, Mindy said uh, she was reading something and studying something. She goes, I don't know that I've ever seen that. You know, the reality is I'm sure she saw it before. Just the same as I'm sure you've seen it before, but in the moment that you were, that was the verse, that was the word that needed to jump out at you for whatever was inside of you. Last Sunday, Doug and, and uh, Everett came to me, and they, we were talking in the office. And Doug was sharing about how they were talking about how sin, after salvation, sin affects us differently. Before we're saved, it's, it's there because God's given us a conscience. But the reality is our, our sin, it's, it's just what we do. And Doug was saying how he kind of was talking to Everett about that, how he's noticed that some of the things that he was doing wrong, Everett would catch it. And as I was reading the very next day in the book of Romans, there's a passage that speaks of that exact thing. And I thought to myself, wow, I need to take that and I need to give that to Doug so that he could share that with Everett, not just what I'm saying, but now this is what God's word says about the same thing. Uh, Again, I say that, Is that maybe a silly illustration? Maybe. But I also believe that God showed me that. It jumped off the page on that particular day that I would then send it to Doug that could be an encouragement to Doug and his wife and their family to give to Everett as Everett is brand new in this thing called faith. And that the the struggle of sin is real. Listen, God's word is alive. It's powerful. The Holy Spirit dwelling in us As we read it, they come together to show us. John 1.1 says this, In the beginning, we all know it, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Spirit, through His Word, guides us and directs us and leads us. And so this morning, as I get into this passage of Scripture, I was, I was thinking I was going a completely different way. And then as I started to study and I started to read and I started to realize what was actually taking place inside of this particular passage in Hebrews, it's actually really encouraging. Because in this moment in chapter number 4, the author of Hebrews is challenging and writing to the, the, church of, the, the church there. And they're being challenged with Cultural Christianity. They're being challenged with some of the things that were going on. And they were writing to say, hey, we don't want to do and be like those folks. He's using 
Psalm chapter 95, inside of this passage of Scripture, uh, before in, in chapter 3 and 4 and so on, and, and they're, they're talking about the, the children of Israel and the way that they, they knew it all. They had it all here, but then they would do what they wanted to do. They would never take in and just do what God's Word says. In verse number 11, it says this, Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Let us labor. Laboring is what? There's a physical action. There's an action to that. They were laboring, that they would work, that they would do those things. And it said to enter into the rest. Well, what is that rest? He, they're saying, hey, don't be a part of that. Rest in God. Resting in who He is. And then it goes on to say what? Where is that rest? For the Word of God is quick. So when we look at all of these things, and we begin to look at God's Word, and we begin to put it uh, we need to be, uh, he was saying, be diligent that no one would fall by the following. Those things, nobody would fall by all of that stuff that they were teaching and they were talking about in Psalm that the Israelites were doing. I, I think that I could say the exact same thing. In our culture today, in the church today, Oftentimes we find ourselves in cultural Christianity. We find ourselves, think a lot of things are acceptable inside of the church. And he is saying, hey, hold on. Hey, we don't want to go that way. But this verse is making the statement. He says, hey, but God's word is living. God's word is powerful. God's word is sharper than any sword. God's word pierces. God's word is, is a discerner of thought. There is power. This morning, I just want to say, there is power in the word of God when we live in obedience to it. When we are willing to trust him as he speaks when we are willing to study it, when we are really willing to read it, when we are willing to look into it, when we are willing to, to bask in it, when we are willing to hold on to it, when we are willing to do those things. How many times we laugh, I don't, I don't know how many of you have been married for how many years, but uh, my wife and I have been married for 20 years. We had 20 years this summer, and uh, I don't look like I've been married that long. I don't even look like I'm that old, huh? It's not that funny. You don't have to be that loud. Good night. So either way, we've been married. July was 20 years for us. We're going to have a marriage conference in just a couple weeks. And one of the jokes is always what? The people that are the newlyweds, right? And how you can just tell the newlyweds and they just kind of Google at each other and they just kind of hold hands and they just kind of stare at each other. But you know what? Isn't there something to that that we ought to still be doing 20 years into marriage? There should be, an, I should be enamored with my wife more today than I was 25 years ago when we started dating. There should be something there. I should desire today to study her, to read her, to gaze into her eyes, to do all of those things more today than I ever did then because I'm trying to know her. It's what this speaks of knowing God. That I would dive in, that I would look into the eyes, that I would hold the hands, that I would seek to study who He is so that I could honor Him and please Him and do the things that He would desire for me to do. Do you know the problem though? We don't know Him, therefore we don't experience the power that He offers. Because it takes time to know Him. It takes time 
to know your spouse. Many of you, I shouldn't say many, some of you have followed my wife and I and our social media stuff, which is really silly and corny. And I understand. I am not a social media guy. I'm horrible at it. But several years ago, we just started doing we called Flanny Food Fun and Fridays, something like that. Basically, Friday afternoons, we find a new place to eat or we would find something to do. And now we've continued to add on to that. And we just try to do stuff. We're joking. We did stuff this weekend. The kids are out of town and they went to the camp thing. And so it was just Madison, who is one of our kids still at the house, but she just, she doesn't count anymore because she's now an adult, you know. Um, but uh, she was working. And so we did stuff. And we started to, we, I bought this book and it was for Christmas that we've done and it, you scratch it off and it tells you what to do on the date. And so we're doing those things not because we want to tell you how cool it is and how cool we are because we're really not at all. But it's been intentional and it's been just a lot of fun. See, 20 years into marriage, the thing that I see on my end of the table, if you will, sitting on the side of the desk is so many couples coming in that have been married 20 and 25 and 30 years and they say, well, um, now that the kids are gone, it's probably time that we split up because we've just lived together for so many years and it's now time. You know, because they didn't invest into each other. Their most, their most important thing was to pour into the kids and their most important thing was to make sure that they were happy and that they were running to sports and that they were doing and that they were doing and that they were doing, but they didn't know each other. And I, I want to, I want to know my wife. I, I'm not, I don't want, I don't, I don't want to speed it up and kick all of the kids out, but I'm excited for the day that the kids leave the house and that it is just her and I. It's going to be a lot of difference, but I'm not going to look across the table and I'm not going to go, who are you? Because we're investing into that. Listen, there's times when we come to church. There's times when you guys look at each other. There's times when we do these things and you look at church and you're like, man, that guy's a little bit of fanatic over there. Look how excited they are. That's one of those Jesus freak people. No, you know what the problem is? They love Jesus and you know of him, you don't know him. And it's weird when you come into a setting and there's a group of people that are worshiping God and are experiencing the power of God and you who have sat in church for all of your life look across the room when the kids are out of the house and you go, I don't know you. I just sat at dinner at breakfast on Friday morning with a group of pastors. There was six of us and one of the men said, would you pray for me? One of my dear mentors just walked away from the faith. A pastor of 30 plus years stepped away from the faith saying he does not know and does not believe in Jesus Christ as Savior. This is a pastor. Why? Because we don't know him i've said this i encourage you to know him if i tell you something out of this word and i tell you whatever i say you better go home and check it for yourself because if you believe everything i say you're gonna be failed you have to know him don't trust my faith in him you get to know him there's power in knowing him as you read the Word of God and as you seek Him, I promise you, you will find Him. 
God's word tells us that. Jeremiah 29, 13. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Hey, church, I don't know what any of that was. None of what I just screamed was in my notes. So I don't know where I'm even at. But listen, this is about knowing him. Knowing this word, I said it at the beginning, it takes time. It takes intentionality. It takes sacrifice. It takes a lot of things to have a relationship, does it not? I wish I could say that my wife married a perfect guy. She didn't. I wish I married a perfect woman. I didn't. She's really close. Babe, you are like. (laughs) But we didn't marry perfect people. I've let her down many, many times. And maybe I've failed and that I'm just now more realizing it since over the last three, four, five years that, man, we better just continue to dive into this marriage and dating thing. I'm excited that. 1997, August of 97, we took our first date to Cedar Point. And I'm excited to say on Saturday, we went out on a date and we had a lot of fun. And I wore women's pants. Don't take that and cut that out. There's a whole story behind that. And we really got to keep moving, but I'll share. So... We did these dates where we scratch them all off, where we, have to, we had to go to Savers, or we had to go to a thrift store to go shopping for one another and then wear what was purchased. She went and bought me jeans. They were 32 waist. It said it on the thing. The problem was, they were in the wrong section. So yours truly had stonewashed, disgusting jeans that were short and frayed at the bottom because they were for a woman, not a man. We had fun with it, and uh, I am now a cross-dresser officially, and it's online. So, um, but uh, this is going way far. This is not anything to do with Jesus and God. Um, but we had a lot of fun this weekend going and dating one another. But I have to look in the mirror at the same and say, am I invested that much into God? Am I that invested into my time in the word? What am I doing? Listen, this morning, I gotta, I gotta go, but I gotta go forward. <laughs> but there's power in knowing God. This morning, there's power in knowing God. The second thought is there's power to expose sin. As we dive into God's word, this is the piece that I don't think most of us like. Because it's really awesome to read passages of Scripture and say, God is alive, and God is raised from the dead, and God is this. But it really, really stinks when we read a passage of Scripture, and it just punches you in the stomach. Have you ever been punched in the stomach as you've read? I have. Far too many times. But as we look at this passage of Scripture, we can shout and scream, for the Word of God is quick. 
And the word of God is powerful. And the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And we're like, yeah! But then it says it pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And it says it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. Do you like anything to be the discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart? I love to be able to stand here and be like, you know what, I'm... I'm pretty good, and things are really good, and look, oh, things are good. God is good and loving, and blah, 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 blah. But the heart behind all that sometimes is not so much, right? Oh, you're so awesome. Miss Annette, you're the greatest person in the world. I'm so glad to see you today. You're beautiful. And in my heart, in my mind, in my head, you don't want to know what's really going on, Miss Annette. Right? The discern, it discerns, the word of God pierces and it discerns the thoughts and the heart and the wickedness. Why? My heart is deceptive and wicked is what God's word says. And sometimes that's the reality of where we are is that we say things and we act out things and we do all of these things, but the heart and the, the intention is not so good. My intention, I serve and oh, look at all I Look at all the things that I do. But the intention is so that you look at me and think that I'm awesome. God's word says that the spirit goes in. The word of God pierces into that. It exposes that. Hey, I don't like to be exposed when I'm a fraud. I cha- I'm a chaplain with Metro. And when you go and you pull somebody over or you do something, there's not many people that are like, oh, thank you, officer. Let me give you a handshake. I'm so glad you pulled me over and recognized that I was going 15 over the speed limit. Thank you. Oh, yes, this illegal weapon that I have. I am so sorry. I should give that over to you. No, that's not what happens. They've been caught. They've been found out. The fraud was found out. We buck against that. Just the same in legal sense, we do it spiritually too. God's word says that it pierces, it exposes. The word of God exposes those things. If I desire that God would be a reflection, if I would be a reflection of who God is, that I would know him and in ref- in re- that, that he would reflect, that he would ooze out of me, that he would pour out of me, Do I strive? Do I seek? Do I know Him? Do I pour into the Word of God? His Word will expose much because His Word is alive. It also gives us and imparts new life or gives us a newness of life. Ephesians 2, we were dead in sins and trespasses, but his word, he has quickened us. He brought us. A dead sinner can no more will himself into spiritual life than a dead corpse can will himself into physical life. It takes the word of God. The word of God in 1 Peter 1.23 says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. And it says this, which liveth and abideth forever the only way we can have life is that he imparts it in us that he gives us life it says that he quickened us that is he brought us back to life just the same it exposes the living god exposes sin in our lives when we read it and when we pour into it 
I don't always like that, though. The Word is alive. It imparts and gives us a renewed life, but it also gives us that gut punch. 19, Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect at restoring the soul. The Word is active. The Word is active. When we, we get in that and we look at those things, that, that passage of Scripture, it's powerful, it's sharp. That Word, active, it's active. It's always moving. It's always piercing. It's always at work. His living word is sharp and it's piercing. His word will expose us in sin. His word is a tool of judgment and execution. In the day of the great, great judgment, if we were to go to Revelation, his word is going to penetrate and lay bare all hearts who have not trusted in him. See, today I can, I can pull something over on you. But there's coming a day where I will stand in judgment before an almighty God and the word of God will discern between my hypocrisy, or my genuine heart. Only the thoughts and the intentions of the heart will count. God's word is the perfect discerner, the perfect discerner. It's a critic. It not only analyzes the, the, the facts perfectly, but all of the motives and all of the intentions and beliefs as well, which even the wisest of human judges and critics cannot do. The sword of his word will make no mistake in judgment or execution. See, this morning as we get into this, and I, I know that I could probably take it in a different direction, but this morning as we look at this with knowing him, as I know God and as I dive into his word, not only does it give me power, not only is there an exciting piece of that, but it says very clearly that the word will discern it will pierce it will cut us to expose the sin in our lives hey if you know jesus christ as your savior there's a desire that you have or you should have that sin is exposed in your life because you're striving to be more and more like him we don't like it i don't like when god shows me my sin i don't like sometimes to look in the mirror and be like wow that's you're a bozo like you've got problems but if i want to be the best father if i want to be the best husband i want to be just the best man that god has called me to be i need to seek the face of god i need to dive into god's word i need to jump into here with everything that i have and i need to say god you need to show me where my sin is. You need to expose this because I want it out because I want to be more pure before you. That's all that it is. That's all that it is. If we were to look at it from the perspective of this, we, we look at it from physical health, right? Many of us have been in, impacted by cancer in some way, shape, or form in our lives family members, friends, whatever it is. We know what cancer is. It gets in and it does what? It spreads and it eats alive and it begins to kill. It kills the good cells. It, 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 it's, a, it's a killer. Sin is the exact same thing. Sin gets in and it begins to spread and it begins to spread and it takes our life. See, there's an aspect of 
the cancer where you go to the doctor and the doctor goes in and the doctor might have to cut and the doctor might have to do this and you might have to have radiology and you might have to have this thing and you might have to have that thing so that the bad can begin to be taken care of. The word of God is that thing. The doctor that's going in to pierce and to cut and to, to pull out and to do all of those things. When we do not dive into the word of God, it does not expose us. We begin to get callous to the sin that's in our lives and we just move forward with life because we're going to church and everything is okay. Well, that's not what it's supposed to be. The Word of God is the one that pierces and exposes our sin. And as we are exposed, we strive to the best of our ability to say, God, I need you, and would you continue to purify me because I desire to be more and more like you. That word sanctification, to be set apart to be made holy. That's all that is. And it's every day of my life that God, man, you showed me this again. Man, God, but that's how we walk with him. That's how we know him. That's how we do those things to get to, to that place. And lastly, I need, to, I need to, to wrap up this morning. There is power in knowing God. This morning, as I just kind of wrap up, really, in many ways, this is just kind of a conclusion point. As we look at knowing Him, I want you to know there's power in knowing God. Knowing Him isn't just to sit in class and gain more and more education. The Word of God says this about knowing God. John 17, 3, and this is life eternal. I've read this many times here. And this is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Eternal life is to know God. I don't know where you sit today. I don't know your walk with God. I don't know your relationship with God. I don't know the burden that you carry. I don't know what you're trying to be as a Christian. I don't know any of those things. But the Bible says to know Him, eternal life is to know Him. If eternal life is to know God, then there's one purpose and one goal and one reason and one anything that we have as a believer on this earth, and that's to know God. That's it. You have one job. Do all that you can to strive to know Jesus Christ. Paul said, I, I strive to know Him and Him crucified. That's it. I want to know Him. I thank God, I praise God that I didn't get saved as a child and then one day I will pass away and God will meet me again. I praise God that as I got, to, as I got saved as a child, He's walked with me every step along the journey. Whether I have given Him attention or I felt that I wanted to do my own thing, He was always with me in that journey. He's never left me. And the more that I know Him, the more I praise Him, the more I worship Him, the more I can stay on this earth and I can, as much as I long to be in heaven, I know that knowing Him today is what God's Word says is eternal life. There's a lot of things that are pretty junky right here. But man, I can, I can worship God. I can praise God in the moment and I can enjoy church. 
I can enjoy my family. Why? Because as I know Him, He's given me an abundant life. Am I perfect? Nope. Do I have everything? Nope. But man, He's given me joy. He's given me peace. He's given me all the things that I've never needed. I, I, he's given me more than I ever thought or dreamed of. This morning, there's power in knowing Him. But I'm afraid so many in the church don't know Him and therefore miss out on the power, miss out on the hope, miss out on the the joy of everlasting eternal life in knowing Him. I've been reading and part of my reading has taken me into Job And every time you say that, everybody goes, oh. But isn't it, as much as it's hard to read the book of Job, isn't it encouraging to read the book of Job and to see a man who lost everything but yet said, I will not curse him. I will worship God. I will do all of those things in honor of God. Listen, he knew him in in eternal life. To know God is to have eternal life. And there's such joy in that. This morning, if God's desire is to bring us to that perfect relationship of eternal life with Him, then our ultimate goal would be to know Him, to embrace the gift and to know Him. And I close with this. I've said something very similar to this over the course of the last 10 years or so speaking. There's a lot of freedom and knowing God. There's a lot of freedom in our statement that we have been using, leading others to be passionate followers of Christ, impacting the family, or that people would know or would walk with Jesus and impact others. You know, there's a great joy that I have as I close out. There's a great joy that I have to know this. The statement says that we would impact others. You know, the reality is I can't impact anyone. I can't save you. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior today, I can't sit down with you and I can't save you. I can share what Jesus is, what God's Word says. I can read God's word and allow God's word to impact and to touch and to reach and to do all of those things. But you know the most freeing thing is, is that I cannot save or impact. All I can do is allow God's word to permeate in my life to know God and allow God to ooze out of me, to pour out of me, and that God would be the one that does the impacting. God would be the one that would draw people to himself. God would be the one that saves. God will be the ones that builds a church. God will be the ones that does any of those things. God will be the one that protects my family. God will be the one. I cannot do any of those things. The reality is that is the most freeing thing When you come to church and you're like, man, i got to make sure that I teach because when I teach, i got to make sure that all those kids know Jesus. It's not your problem if they know Jesus. Your problem is, do you know Him? Are you seeking Him? Are you trusting in Him? Are you giving Him everything that you can and allow God to do the rest? 
It's not your deal to save your marriage. It's your deal to dive under your face and to get into an almighty book of God. It's your problem to do that and let God do the rest. Because you can't fix it. Happy New Year. We stress ourselves to death, literally, trying to fix everything, and you can't. You know what? The power is not in you fixing it. The power is in the Word of God and in knowing Him. And as I get upon my knees and as I beg God, if you seek Him to find Him, searching with all of your heart, He's not hiding from you. He's waiting for you to get serious about seeking Him. There's power in knowing God this morning. Great power. Hey, would we take it serious? Would I be an intentional, as intentional in getting to know God as I am being intentional in trying to date my wife? Would I be intentional? I promise when you start to get intentional and you start to seek him and you start to do those things, I'm not telling you everything's going to be perfect, but I'll promise you this. There will be a joy and a peace that comes over you that you can't explain. There will be an impact that you can't explain because it's not you. It's him in and through. When we surrender it, it's amazing what God can do because there's power in knowing him. I don't know if you know Christ this morning. Can I just ask, if you don't, why not today? What stops you from saying yes to God? What stops you from confessing and surrendering the sin and saying yes to him? Maybe you need to say yes to Jesus. Maybe there's some in here that know Jesus. There's no doubt in your mind that you know Jesus. You're just struggling with the knowing peace. I'm not asking you to read 12 hours a day. It might start with five minutes. It might start with one verse. Consistently just pouring in and saying, God, I, I'm going to do this, and I'm asking that you would expand it to this. But it starts somewhere to know him. Do you know him? Father, this morning we come. And Lord, I... I fail in this every day of just knowing you. I desire to know you more. I desire to have a more intimate relationship. I desire to trust. I desire to do so many things. And so often I go back to doing whatever is comfortable for me. And so God, in that I ask you to forgive me. And I confess that before you. But God, I just pray as a church, as people that sit here, as those that listen, God, that we would have as our number one most important focus in our lives is to know you. And out of that, the, the life that you give, the, the abundance, the joy, the hope, the peace, we would be able to rest in that. Lord, if there is somebody that doesn't know you as Savior this morning, I pray that your word 
went forth. I pray that you tugged upon their heart. And God, that they would respond. And for those that know you and that are struggling, just the same, that the word went forth and that they would respond. Would you just stand to your feet this morning? The praise team is just going to sing a verse of invitation. I don't do this to prolong a service. I don't do this for an emotional pull. I do this that you might have an opportunity to just simply respond to the Lord. So this morning, if you need to respond, I'm just asking, would you respond?